President Tsai Ing-wen on Wednesday received a delegation from the Hudson Institute, the first U.S. think tank delegation to visit Taiwan since the presidential election on January 13th. Tsai took the opportunity to thank the institute for the great importance it attaches to Taiwan. She also voiced hope that the experts would continue to provide valuable insights on Taiwan-U.S. relations in the future. This is what she said. I also want to thank the Hudson Institute as a highly influential U.S. think tank focusing on foreign policy and security. Your organization also attaches great importance to Taiwan and has long supported us. The Hudson Institute has organized academic delegations to Taiwan, held conferences on issues concerning Taiwan, and published articles speaking up for Taiwan. With Taiwan confronted by authoritarian suppression, the Hudson Institute has stood shoulder to shoulder with us and continues to advance security, freedom and prosperity for the U.S. and its allies. We are profoundly grateful for your skillful navigation of what may be the most difficult political position in the entire world. Your term is not yet over, but I hope you will share with us some of your plans for the future. Whatever they may be, please know that you will always have a home and good friends at Hudson Institute. Thank you. President Tsai has previously participated in events organized by the Hudson Institute during stopovers in the U.S. and has worked closely with the think tank. Scholars from the Institute hailed Tsai not only as the first female president of Taiwan, but also a force that has consolidated Taiwan as an important link in the global community. They also noted that the recent election showed once again that Taiwan was a mature democracy. Premier Chen Jianren on Wednesday protested China's decision to alter the path of a key civilian flight route in the Taiwan Strait. A day earlier, the Civil Aviation Administration of China announced that it would move its southbound M503 flight path eastward starting February 1st. That places it just a few kilometers from the median line of the Taiwan Strait and of the Taipei Flight Information Region. Premier Chen says the move will have a negative impact on flight safety in the region. The Civil Aviation Administration of China announced on Tuesday that starting February 1st, it was cancelling an offset measure for southbound flights along the M503 flight route. It also announced to start eastbound flights on routes W122 and W123, which connect with the M503 route. Premier Chen Jianren on Wednesday protested China's move. The announcement contradicts the result of negotiations carried out in 2015 and has a negative impact on flight safety. China has also released balloons that have entered Taiwanese airspace. These actions damage the status quo of regional security and stability in the Taiwan Strait. The government strongly condemns this inappropriate behavior. Taiwan's Civil Aviation Administration protested China's unilateral changes. In a statement, Taiwan's Mainland Affairs Council criticized the move, saying the adjustments to flight routes were an attempt to use civil aviation as a cover for political and even military objectives. It urged China to immediately cease irresponsible flight operations. Transport Minister Wang Guotai has said he found China's decision regrettable. 
If the flights follow the M503 flight route exactly, they would be just 4.2 nautical miles away from the Taipei flight information region. If the weather conditions aren't good, the flights could veer east into our flight information region. It could also give rise to conflict with military aircraft. We find this announcement by the Civil Aviation Administration of China extremely regrettable. China will be cancelling its offset measure for the M503, a measure that had moved the flight route to the west of its original path. The cancellation means only 7.8 kilometers will separate the M503 from the median line of the Taiwan Strait. Taiwan says the change could impact flight safety and reduce the depth and the time the military has to respond to emergencies. It becomes so that the median line of the Taiwan Strait is within China's range. They are pushing their airspace all the way to the median line, splitting Taiwan's airspace in two by the median line. In the future, they may use this space and harass Taiwan. It takes a warplane just one minute to fly 11 kilometers. So now we have one minute less of reaction time. Anti-aircraft troops on the ground must remain alert and be ready to hold the line of defense. The adjustment of the flight path means Taiwan's military will have one minute of time less to respond to any incidents. A former Air Force officer says China may try to use military aircraft disguised as civilian aircraft to seize airports in Taiwan. China Xi and Y-20s can bear civil aviation numbers because they are transport aircraft. Auxiliary aircraft like Shanxi Y-8 and Shanxi Y-9 can be disguised as well. These kinds of strategies are often used against the enemy. Defenses must be strengthened at Taiwan's seven main airports, including Kaohsiung International Airport. Trojan horse strategies like these and air assaults have all happened in the past. The retired officer says China is trying to put pressure on Taiwan's new government. He says Taiwan must enhance its self-defense capabilities in order to respond to the threats and intimidation from across the strait. And now on to the legislative yuan, which will hold an election to choose its new speaker on Thursday. The KMT, TPP and DPP have each put forward candidates, but none of them is expected to receive a majority of votes. That means the speaker will likely be chosen in a second round of voting in which only a plurality is needed to win. The TPP's decision to nominate a candidate of its own, Huang Shanshan, has raised criticism from detractors who say the party is handling a sure win to the KMT's Han. Let's hear from the TPP. As a third force, we don't want to support either KMT or DPP. We want to have our own political representative in Taiwan, and that's how we arrived at this decision. Public opinion will not support representatives who are meek and subservient to others. The public does not want a legislative branch that has no independent thinking and is unable to check the executive branch. Only by having the TPP take the position of legislative speaker can we deepen our democracy and defend public interests. Only then can Taiwan have a space for rational discussion. I respect the decision. I respect it. We are a democratic country. I respect any decisions made by political parties, committee members on candidates and by the voters. The DPP's Yoshi Kun is running for another term as legislative speaker, and he says he'll respect the outcome of the election. Meanwhile, the KMT Legislative Caucus has voiced approval of the TPP's decision to choose its own path. 
A local pundit has urged the DPP to vote for the TPP's Huang in the first round of order to prevent the KMT's Han from getting elected. The suggestion was immediately shot down by DPP caucus whip Ke Jianming. Now for a spotlight on a seamstress and sewing teacher who is inspiring immigrant women to find their own way. Wang Yan came to Taiwan for marriage, having grown up in Guilin, China. After initially struggling in Taiwan, she found sewing and discovered her passion. Now she's one of the most sought-after sewing teachers in the country. Her special love is teaching immigrant women how to sew and watching how they bring their own distinctive cultures into the craft. For Wang, sewing is an art, but also a way to become yourself. Wang Yan from Guilin in China incorporates elements of the classic Chinese qipao dress style into her handmade clutch bags. Each bag has an eye-catching design, but when she first came across sewing, she didn't believe she would be able to do it. At the time, I was very interested in patchwork, but I thought the things they were making were so great, so beautiful, like nothing I'd seen before. Then I thought, can I do that? She started with a patchwork class and advanced step by step, taking sewing classes wherever she found them to expand her skills. It became an obsession. When I started, I would keep working on it into the night, sometimes until 4 or 5 in the morning. My husband would say, what's going on? Don't you need sleep anymore? So then I thought, if you're a slow student, you need to make up for it with time. So I wanted to work hard. Now she's a popular patchwork teacher in her own right, teaching in many schools and community centers. But Wang's favorite students are women who, like her, came to Taiwan for marriage. These students bring elements of their native countries into their work, creating distinctive designs. Some even start their own companies or follow Wang into a teaching career. I want to integrate all the cultures of all our countries, all us immigrant women. It's about finding your center, becoming yourself, and creating a cultural exchange. Wang often thinks about the early days of her marriage after she arrived in Yunling and how disappointed and lost she felt. It was that crisis that led her to patchwork and to creating her own career with her sewing. Now through teaching and sharing her experiences, she hopes to help other immigrant women find their own way too. Fresh from winning both women's doubles and mixed doubles at the Australian Open, Taiwan's tennis ace Xie Shu Wei made a bombshell announcement Tuesday evening on social media. The athlete announced her intention to represent Taiwan at the Paris Olympics this summer. The news has caused quite a stir among her fans, given Xie's turbulent history with Taiwan's Olympic Committee. Back in 2016, Xie withdrew from the national team shortly before the Rio Olympics, alleging unfair treatment by the Chinese Taipei Tennis Association. She pledged to never play for the national team after the vice chair of Taiwan's Olympic Committee reportedly pounded a table and hollered at her during a meeting. Xie did end up rejoining the national team for the Billie Jean King Cup last year. She later said that 
Every day at the tournament was a nightmare. Now let's meet one of Taiwan's young sporting stars. Ling Jiaxing won a gold and a silver in badminton at the World Deaf Youth Games in January. The shuttler got into badminton to get out of a stuffy classroom. Despite facing discrimination for his hearing disability, he has stuck with the sport for many years. Competing with other students with hearing disabilities is also a great way to meet new friends and develop lots of transferable skills for the future. As the gold medal is announced to cheers, Taiwan's mixed doubles team takes to the stage of the World Deaf Youth Games. Of the pair, Lin Jiaxun also clinched silver for the male singles. The contest over, he was celebrating at his old school. I always said to my family members, I don't want to keep playing. But they always supported me with reverse psychology. They'd say, well, if you really don't want to play, just don't do it. As someone with a hearing disability, Lin has faced plenty of discrimination on and off the court. He's learned his own ways of managing it. Relaxing for one day is long enough. The next day I'll need to train again, so I can't let myself be impacted by a bad mood for too long. 17-year-old Lin says that he started playing badminton just to get out of the classroom. At first, it was just for fun, until a coach enrolled him in a tournament for shuttlers with hearing disabilities, and he started to shine. It helps him release his emotions and helps his sporting potential grow, and it helps him practice being in groups. Otherwise, as far as students with hearing disabilities go, he's quite a guarded kid. Badminton has been a vehicle to help Lin make friends his own age. He plans to keep playing, getting more medals under his belt, and making the most of all his talents. The National Central University and a Japanese company have unveiled a state-of-the-art pavement condition survey car. It is called the Fuji Jade Summit 1, and it is capable of detecting cracks of just one millimeter, even when traveling at 100 kilometers per hour. Already, the car has collected pavement data on more than 1,000 kilometers of roads around Taiwan. Develops hope that the vehicle will help with maintenance work to keep Taiwan's roads in good condition. A car approaches from the distance. It looks a bit strange, almost like a race car with a giant spoiler or even like a transformer. But this is nothing other than a 3D pavement condition survey car developed by National Central University and a Japanese company. At the lab, a member of the team explains the features of the tail assembly. What these two parts are doing are basically detecting damage and surveying the pavement surface. Then, this thing senses whether the road is laying flat. It's all in accordance with the national standards. This is the Fuji Jade Summit 1, and it costs more than 10 million NT to build. It's equipped with a special meteorological radar and can detect surface cracks of just one millimeter at speeds of 100 kilometers per hour, exposing any faults on the road. It's the only vehicle of its kind in Taiwan that operates to the standards of Japan and the US, and it is among the most precise pavement evaluation cars in the world. 
world. It is a camera that takes pictures of the surface of the road. It also has a laser component inside that can perform a horizontal inspection of the upper layer of the pavement. The results can be used to see any potholes and cracks there may be on the road. Over here, you can check the mileage. Over here, we have the speed and the mileage. And over here, you can see the time. On the two sides over here, real-time footage pops up, so you can check whether there is any damage in the image. Fuji Jade Summit 1 has already collected data on more than 1,000 kilometers of roads around Taiwan. The system allows for road maintenance teams to tackle damage fast and maintain the pavement in good shape. With Lunar New Year almost upon us, the market for New Year's goods is in full swing. The crowds are enormous at Dihua Street in Taipei, the go-to spot in the capital for special festive goods. It's the busiest time of the year for local business people in the historic Dadaocheng district. Many stores hire temporary workers in the weeks leading up to the new year. There are extra stalls on the sidewalks and customers must line up for each purchase. But all that is part of the festive fun. Night has fallen, but the crowds are buzzing on Dihua Street where New Year's goods are on sale. These kids have their hands full picking candies and testing them. It's almost New Year and mom is feeling generous. This young man has decided to buy a month's worth of treats to take home. We don't always have candy, so I hope that I can eat one month of candy over the New Year break. A hot plate of almond brittle comes out of the oven. It's placed on a surface, rolled flat with a pin, cut up, then swiftly fried one more time. The crowds are heaving here at the New Year's Goods Mecca of Dihua Street in Taipei as we race toward Lunar New Year. This almond brittle store has hired 20 temporary workers to handle the huge influx of extra customers. The crowds are double or triple the norm. We've hired quite a few students as temp workers for the New Year period, about 20. I'm buying karasumi, shredded squid, and pork jerky. You have to queue at each stall for 10 or 15 minutes. At this spring couplet store, artists are painting custom designs of cute dragons on a couplet. They've got a golden spot in the busiest area opposite the square. That brings in much more customers, they say. The rock and roll area is very competitive. It's straight opposite Yongle Market, and there is an empty space in front, so people can congregate here easily. So the rent for these stalls is a bit higher. Business people here are happy to report that crowds this year are even higher than ever, and the mood is even more festive. The New Year's custom on this street will continue until February 8th. Meanwhile, stalls are pulling out all the stops and drafting in all the workers they can gather to make this new year as big a success as it can be. The hottest new trend in South Korea is the personal color analysis studio where beauty lovers go to find the most flattering colors for their features. You can try out the experience right in Taipei at a salon that also offers Korean-inspired makeovers and photo shoots. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang takes us in for a look. The appointment starts with a relaxing hair wash. Then it's time to blow dry and style the hair before putting on makeup. Patrons can come with photos of their desired look. Two hours later, they leave with picture-perfect hair and makeup. 
I like Korean makeup, so I came here to have a professional do my makeup to experience the process. I showed her a photo of Jenny from Blackpink. I wanted a softer look. The staff was very attentive, and it was a very comfortable experience. Her makeup is relatively light and translucent, and her eyeshadow is also light. We focused more on the eyelashes, treating each eyelash individually. Some people want to get their makeup done like Korean stars. They will bring in photos. But some want to do show makeup. Most of them come without any ideas, so the makeup artists have more space to be creative. Want to get a personal color analysis? You won't have to fly all the way to Korea anymore because you can get one here in Taipei. The salon launched in 2023 and offers a personal color analysis service. A color analyst will ask a series of questions, introducing the basics of personal color theory. She helps patrons find seasonal colors that best complement their skin tone and hair. When they come for a personal color analysis service, we usually ask what their goals are for clothing and makeup. We use professional color swatches and place them under the face to see the changes on the face and find the colors that suit them best. I saw it on the internet and was very interested, so I came over to give it a try since it's located in Taiwan. I usually wear black and white, so I wanted to switch it up and find a color that suits me. Personal color analysis studios became popular in South Korea during the COVID pandemic. Now, people in Taiwan can also try them out without a flight overseas. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Tan Jun Hao in Taipei.